Welcome to today's episode of the Purdue ASME American Society of Mechanical Engineers podcast, which aims to provide an outlet for not only Purdue students, but all students, learners, and aspiring professionals around the world to learn from experienced professionals in the field of engineering and beyond. I'm your co-host, Agathea Thurun, and joining me today is my fellow co-host, Liam Kaufman, who will now introduce our guest today on our episode. Today, we are recording on Tapped episode two with Kevin Chin. Kevin is a senior at Purdue studying industrial engineering, which is ranked second in the nation this year, which is pretty crazy. Um, Kevin has been part of multiple student organizations, including Purdue Solutions and Purdue Think Consulting with internships at West Monroe and Deloitte. Kevin, thanks for joining us on today's episode. Yeah, no, thank you for the intro. That was the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you yourself are kind of like a, a LinkedIn influencer. I've seen so many cool posts that you kind of post on LinkedIn to help other people develop in their professional uh, realm. Tell me more about like how you kind of got started with that and where it's gotten you. Yeah, so I have always been like a LinkedIn type of guy. I kind of browse in my free time. That's like my Instagram, TikTok, Reddit uh, for a lot of other people. Um, I followed a lot of different people across like LinkedIn from like product management, you know, lifestyle stuff, productivity, and, you know, looking at all the carousel posts that they do one day, I was just like, Hey, you know, I could do this too. So over the summer, um, last summer, actually, um, I took the time out of my day, you know, I was doing Canva posts and trying to create as much as I can and try to see like what my value proposition is. And so that eventually led me to making a lot of like weightlifting lifestyle videos, uh, you know how to be healthy, um, and also like even management consulting videos too, like how to get an interview, how to improve your resume, uh, how to ace the case interview and, you know, beyond that as well. So, so you mentioned that before we started recording, you have a bunch of interviews this week. Um, what's it like preparing for those? Do you have any good advice for acing the interviews? Yeah. So I did most of my, oh, sorry, I did most of my interview product, uh, preparation over the summer for casing. And, you know, once you kind of get casing down, it's, it's kind of like a ballpark, like pretty easy to do. You don't have to prep that much in advance. Um, so this week I haven't prepped too much. Most of it is just taking a look at their company website, asking a couple of their employees, like, you know, what the company culture looks like, what their typical day to day work looks like, uh, what projects they've been working on. And, prepping that way for the behavioral. But for the case, um, we could get into this later too, but the case is pretty simple in terms of prepping because I've already done it in the past. So yeah, so I feel like there's a good amount of overlap between the case and like even engineering or software interviews because a lot of it's like technical and you just mm -hmm. have to be prepared to uh, talk about your thought process and how you came yeah. to whatever answer you got. Yeah. So uh, yeah, how do you prep for the case interview? Yeah, so I think there's a couple major things that you know, interviewers are looking for during the case. There's the big three. And one thing you should know about consulting is there's always going to be a category of three. That's like the golden rule in consulting. Um, so the first one is business intuition, I would say. The second one would be uh, how client-facing you are, basically how well you communicate, how well you portray yourself, if you're able to organize your ideas effectively. And then the, there's one, the third one is um, your analytical and I guess your mathematical skills. So looking at business acumen first, that's mainly just, are you able to digest the problem? Do you kind of have the background knowledge skill set to be able to succeed in consulting? Uh, the next one, communication um, and, you know, business, uh, sorry, communication and, you know, being client facing. That's mostly about, are you able to keep your ideas in an organized fashion? And are you able to convey your ideas effectively? And then last one, mathematical skills. Can you analyze graphs? Do you, can you get takeaways, uh, identify trends, and how they are applicable to the case? 
And so what a case is, is typically just a business question that the interviewer asks you. So some of the questions might be, how do we increase profitability? Should we acquire this different company? Should we expand into this new industry or sector? How do we deal with this up and rising competitor? And so as your job as an interviewee, um, a lot of what you do is digest that case in an organized manner and then answer the questions that they prompt you with. Um, in terms of preparation, a lot of what goes into it is mainly just uh, doing case interviews with people that have gone through the process itself. I personally have done, I think, well over 200 cases at this point, wow. you know, staggered across a bunch of different. 200? Um, yeah, no, oh it, it's goodness. a lot. But that's, keep in mind, that's over like the last like two years or so. Sure. Um, but what was really funny is for both West Monroe and Deloitte, I didn't really have to prep too much for the case. It came like kind of natural uh, just because I was able to, you know, get to the point where like casing was you know, kind of like second nature almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, feel so, like you've, I feel like if you've done 200 of them at some point, you're just like, yeah, this just is like, yeah, this is easy. the back of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the point you mentioned about being, um, portray- portraying yourself to the actual interviewer is, I think that's one of the most important things because that also goes, uh, very hand in hand with the engineering interviews and and CS interviews, because, you know, kind of how you present yourself and how charismatic, how easy you are to talk to, um, that really plays a big part for case interviews, engineering interviews. Um, I mean, kind of, how do you feel you've been able to gain that confidence just to be able to talk to anybody, especially an interviewer and even in intimidating, uh, points where you can kind of just talk to them very casually and uh, nail that interview. Yeah. So I guess for starters, for engineers, it's very easy for us to kind of have like that technical background and expertise since, you know, that's like already built into the curriculum. But a lot of the places where engineers struggle is, you know, being able to maintain professionalism, communicating their ideas effectively. And, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, but you don't know how to communicate, I don't think that means anything at all. And so in order to improve that, um, a lot of what I did was just take advantage of like on-campus leadership experience. Uh, During my sophomore year, I was elected as director of talent for Purdue. And that was a very like presentable role, I guess. I had to do presentations all the time. I had to talk to a bunch of new people, do interviews, um, and really like kind of network with people across the Purdue community and and across the consulting community as well. And so taking on those positions where you're kind of like uncomfortable and you don't really know, you know, where you're going next, I think that's the best way to, you know, build your, uh, I guess, like communication skills okay. uh, over time. Step outside so, your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, just step outside of your own comfort zone and do something that you're not used to doing. So, Have you always been interested in like entrepreneurship and the industrial engineering side of things? And is that kind of the focus you wanted to take? Um, not really. So I came into university as a biomedical engineer because oh. I was really good at bio. AP bio was my favorite subject in high school. Um, and then eventually I had a lab experience where I was doing research for the Illinois Institute of Technology, realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And so one of my friends one day was just like, Hey, there's a bunch of consulting clubs that I'm applying to. You should apply to. I really want to get into Deloitte. And I was like, that. <laughs> so I spent a majority of my time then prepping for the consulting club interviews, got in, really discovered that I enjoyed the project work that a lot of them that were doing. And especially like the positions that the seniors were in, you know, graduating, working for these big firms, getting paid a bunch, traveling a bunch, you know, all these different perks of consulting. And I kind of realized that that was a path that I wanted to do like end of freshman year or so. And so the rest of my college career was kind of how do I best set myself up for that path? And a lot of what that was, was like I mentioned earlier, case interview prep, networking with people across 
you know, the industry, both my internships actually were from networking. Like I didn't go to IR. I didn't go to anything on campus for Purdue specifically. Um, I was able to get a referral for Deloitte, which was the main reason I got into the interview process. And then for West Monroe was literally just applying through the Purdue Solutions Slack channel for recruiting. Wow. So a lot of it was kind of doing your own work to get into these positions. And, you know, that works for some people, but, you know, other people also just go to career fairs and just apply online. But I found that networking was the most beneficial for me specifically. So, so what's it actually like in these consulting companies? Because I'm in Purdue Think, so I have a little bit of experience with consulting, but I'm sure it's nothing like what it what it's like in like a huge company. So yeah, when they say that everything you do is like learning on the job. That's completely true. I don't think any of the classes that I've taken or any of the projects I've done in solutions have like actually prepped me for like the space. And so a lot of what it is, is like, you know, with the club, we're trying to emulate the experience as much as possible. So what they're doing is like projects, but the projects are from a whole different variety of different fields, right? So the project that I worked on with Deloitte was an SAP implementation project, and they were basically going on for three years implementing the service for the client. And so being a part of that for 10 weeks was just not enough to actually get the whole breadth of the field, but I was able to participate in a bunch of different functionalities with the team, kind of learn about, uh, like from a very high level, what that implementation process looks like. Same with West Monroe, the projects, I think that project was going on for about a year or so, and taking 10 weeks out of that is like nothing compared to the grand scheme of things. But, you know, getting that experience uh, from people who are already in industry and know a lot about um, their specific field was super helpful in terms of determining where I wanted to be in the future as well. Yeah, I think I had like a similar experience at Boeing and maybe you too, Aggie, but it's like you come in and you're only there for 10, 12 weeks. So. Yeah, it's you, literally nothing. You're just there to learn. You're yeah. not like arguably controversial opinion, but I am i don't think you provide that much value. Just being a <laughs> college grad, you know, you don't really know too much. Probably you take have, like, away value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're literally taking up so much time. Like they're trying to mentor you and trying to get you to come back and everything. Yeah, it's really trying to capture you to convert to full time. I feel like with college, um, I don't know, like personally for me, I feel like the college is 50% of what you learn and 50%, maybe even more the experience of just being there. That's why I prefer being in person and not doing like an online master's because I mean, a lot of what you learn kind of just goes out the window. It's all about the mental mindset you build up. And that's what you really take to companies because like, like you said, maybe two of three classes that I've ever taken in my life have actually applied to all these internships that I've went to and everything else is just learning on the job. And then you have like, a 10, 12 week internship and the first three weeks are training, the first two weeks are accl- like acclimating to the environment and then learning about what the company does. And then mm-hmm. you barely have time to kind of like actually contribute. And so much of it is just the experience and kind of like the background that you have from other clubs. And like you said, um, you know, just being able to do this extracurriculars, that's really what kind of plays that big chunk. Yeah. And I think the whole idea of internships and extracurriculars is so you could get hands-on experience to determine if this is something that you do want to do in the future or if you should take a different path. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going through these roles, it's like, hey, if you want to figure out what you do want to do, and no one does in their 20s. I don't think anyone actually has that fully figured out. But getting these experiences first is like, hey, I've done this. Now I could say whether or not I liked it. And if I don't, then it's okay. It's not that I wasted like, you know, a, a summer. It's more that I learned what I didn't like to do. And that's going to help me figure out what I do like to do later. So, so when it, when it comes to uh, networking to get these internships or just networking in general, like how do you approach networking? Yeah. yeah so, do, you, do you do it through a LinkedIn or um, in person? Most of it is through LinkedIn. Um, I think there's two ways to do it. So there's cold calling people. So just sending a message to someone you don't know. 
very hard and, you know, arguably the worst way to go. And then the other way is, you know, going through connections that you kind of already do. And so I could give a little bit of backstory for the Deloitte interview uh, or De Deloitte uh, referral uh, in terms of how I, you know, network for that position. Um, I joined Solutions like early on in my freshman year and uh, Solutions has a really great benefit in terms of we are able to talk to all the alumni within the club. So I was reaching out to a couple of alumni, talked to a lot of people at Deloitte. Some of them I had conversations with and I felt like, you know, we weren't really vibing as a person. Like they were good people, but, you know, we just didn't have that connection. Mm -hmm. And then there's this one guy, I won't say his name, but he was really cool. We had a lot in common and every single semester we would just set up like a 30 minute chat. Um, that's very, that's basically about it. And we did that for the next two years or so. And then at the end of those two years, um, I basically asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm applying for this Deloitte role. Do you have any advice? And I didn't even have to ask him. He's just like, send me your resume. I'll get it to the recruiter. And I think that's what fully got me through like the initial screening process because my GPA at that time wasn't very impressive. And, you know, they were looking for someone with a higher GPA. I think it was like 3.5 for engineering and 3.7 for, um, business majors and such. Um, so that was kind of how I went about networking, uh, mainly just, you know, building that relationship with people trying to get to know them at a deeper level and then delaying the ask as much as possible. If mm -hmm. you go into every single conversation, you know, just with the sole purpose of like, Hey, give me a referral or, Hey, get me into this company or whatever you want. Um, it's never going to be a good look because you're always taking, you know, at some right. point you have to be able to give, um, whether it be, uh, through some of my mentors actually giving them like fitness advice, taking to the gym, taking them to the gym, teaching them how to do different things like that. Um, but you know, other times it's just about being like as respectful and genuine as possible. So that's, that's what a real connection is. I think yeah. a lot of people, when they do networking, they kind of confuse what that is. They think I can just go talk to a recruiter, get their email down and then shoot them a LinkedIn text the next day. But a connection, I mean, conversation is like 50% your input and 50% coming back. Right. Yeah. So it's like, developing that connection is really what's going to get you through the door and not just kind of knowing them superficially. Yeah. And especially for new members, I would recommend people to prioritize quality and time over quantity, right? If you're, if you kind of already know where you want to go in the future, like let's say I want to work for Tesla, SpaceX or uh, Google, Microsoft, whatever, start building those connections early on. Like when you're a freshman or sophomore, you know, talk to as many people as you can, the people that you like, um, you know, further those conversations, you know, keep those contacts and then after when you're a junior or senior then it's like you already built up this rapport with them you're able to ask them for more things that they typically wouldn't give because when they give you a referral it's usually their reputation on the line it's like hey do i actually support this person do i think that they're going to be a good fit and they're not going to refer you know just anyone in that situation so yeah i 100 agree i think uh pretty much i have a few referrals this year as well and like all of them are just people i've been really close with like i don't even mm -hmm. think None of them were relationships where I went into the relationship like, oh, this person works here. That's why I'm going to talk to this person. And like, yeah. ultimately, I want to get like referrals more just I'd built up a friendship with them over time. And yeah. then when it comes around to the time where I need a referral, it's just like natural. It's like, hey, can you give me a referral? Like, um, so I think approaching it definitely with a more quality mindset is, is yeah, the way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you meant, you, I was going to say, uh, you mentioned uh, resistance training, um, and these are some of the things I've seen on your LinkedIn a good amount. Um, what is, uh, how does like resistance training, whatever it is, working out, reading, um, just any of these hobbies on the side contribute to, I guess, your overall well-being and and uh, help you with these internships, help you with just everything. Yeah. So I think you kind of already said it, like a lot of the hobbies that I do on the side already contribute to my overall well-being. Like for example, reading is like, you know, 
basically making you smarter. Weightlifting is making you more physically fit, uh, making you feel better. Um, I don't think there's necessarily like a strong correlation between that and your internships uh, or, you know, uh, advancing your like professional or academic career. But most of it is just about like goal setting and building up that discipline. I mm-hmm. think being able to work out for three years consistently, you know, through, you know, sun and rain and whatever that quote is, um, is something that not a lot of people can do just because they don't build up the discipline or the habit to do so. Um, and same thing with everything else, right? If you have a goal in mind, you have to keep the end goal um, very close to heart uh, and being able to go through, you know, a year or two through personal development, self-improvement that is going to help you in any stage of your life, uh, in any role of your life as well. So, Kevin, of all the kind of tips and advice you posted on LinkedIn, if I were to give you a million dollars right now and ask you for your favorite one, the best one that you have to come up with, oh wow, what would it be? <laughs> Just like in general or like yeah, to a specific? Your, okay. your most favorite like professional development, self-improvement advice, goal setting, reading books. Um, taking- I think, yeah, I would say just sticking to it. Like a lot of people, they give up too early. They expect to see results too fast. I have a lot of friends who were in the gym for six months. They didn't see any progress and they thought they were doing something wrong. But the truth is they just didn't commit enough time to it, right? If you're going to be a master at anything, you're going to have to be able to, you know, show up every day for yourself, you know, for years, potentially even to get to that point where you are able to succeed. And so not a lot of people are okay with that idea, right? Um, we talked about this earlier actually, but in the subtle art of giving up, uh, of not giving a fuck, my favorite book by Mark Manson. Um, one of the things that he talks about in life is, um, basically sacrificing for what you want. If you're not willing to sacrifice, uh, for that specific thing that you want, you're never going to be able to get it. And so too many people are obsessed with the end goal, but they don't want to go through the journey. And so for me personally, I wanted to be an actor when I was growing up, right? I, I think it was my dream to be like me a too. great actor. Yeah, me too. Literally just to be like a Marvel superhero or something <laughs> like that. But I realized I wasn't willing to go through like the rejection of going through all the, you know, this, uh, the process of like uh, acting and doing all those uh, different those auditions. Know, yeah, auditions yeah. and everything. And, you know, going through those failures, that just wasn't something that I wanted to do for the next like five years or so. And so for me, what I think the biggest advice going back to the main idea is just you have to stick with it. You have to understand that you're sacrificing the short term for this long term game. And if you're able to delay gratification as much as possible, then you are always going to be able to hit your goal. It doesn't matter if it's in the next 10 years or 20 years, you're going to be able to hit it. So That's a great response. How, how do you how do you commit? Do you is it a mental reward system or do you like uh, kind of like reward yourself? Like, Hey, I get ice cream now. If I go to the gym, you know, it's, it's like a, how do you kind of stick to that and create that discipline? Yeah. So I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's always about having the end goal in mind. If you know where you want to be in the future, if you emulate that as much as possible in your current state, you're going to get there, right? You're not going to be a professional athlete by acting like an amateur, but if you have the mindset of that professional athlete, you know that you have to work four hours a day, you have to you know, do this type of training and this type of recovery, then you're going to get there. It's just a matter of time, right? I think in this world, information and knowledge is very prevalent. Almost anyone can have like all the information at their hand to do whatever they want to do, right? Teaching and learning is very easy just because of what the internet is. But the hardest part is about the implementation, right? Not a lot of people are willing to show up for themselves every single day. And, you know, if you do have this information at hand, it's literally just in your hand to then succeed in the future because, you know, you just have to show up for yourself. You have to have this discipline. You have to have all these goals set for yourself and you have to be able to achieve them. So I think 
my favorite quote of all time that I've heard with regards to goal setting is I've already gotten there. Time just hasn't caught up yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a cool way to look at it. It's like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like one of my other favorite creators, Alex Hormozzi, he always talks about uh, basically extending the time horizon, right? You can't expect to be a master within one year. You can't expect to be good at anything within a year. If you want to make a career switch to a different field, like you're going to have to make up for those, let's say five years that you lost or so. And, you know, extending that time horizon, not being too obsessed about the current state and where you are right now and rather focusing on what you could do to bridge that gap is the most important thing. So, so, uh, how do you set goals and figure out what you actually want to do? That's a, that's a good question. I think, um, every single year I write down, so this is actually a Warren Buffett quote, actually. So he writes down 20 different goals he has for the year, right? Anything that he wants to accomplish. And then he only focuses on five. And then the other 15 goals are there only to distract you. They're not as important or, you know, you shouldn't be prioritizing them as much. So taking that look of focusing on these five specific goals throughout a year, that's what drives me. So for example, this year uh, for senior year, I wanted to work on, you know, getting a job, right? Uh, keeping my physical state going, uh, working on content creation, self-improvement, all those different goals are there for me. And if I'm working towards those goals every single day, then I know I'm on the right track, no matter how much progress or how little progress I'm making every single day or every single week. And once you have those long-term goals, you know, it's easy to then segment that and say like, Hey, this first quarter of the year, this is what I want to accomplish. This is the goal that I want to set out. Um, and even every like a week by week goal of like, Hey, I want to get done with these five interviews, or I want to go to the gym four times this week, right? It's very easy to segment these goals and really identify quantifiably how well and how, I guess, close you are to achieving those goals. Once you have that yearly milestone. So I think the biggest difficulty for a lot of people is, you know, they set all these goals, but then their motivation and their like eager or uh, eagerness to kind of like achieve those goals yeah it just kind of like it it fades away over time how do you how do you what advice would you give to people to avoid procrastination how do you avoid procrastination and Mm kind of like gain back that that fury yeah so i controversial i don't think motivation is anything like it's one of those really fleeting things that lasts you like a day an hour or you know yeah you see like one tiktok video and you're like all jacked up and then now (laughs) just want to do something but then it never lasts so my advice would just be to build discipline and to show up every single day and so how do you do that you literally just show up every single day if you want the, the best example I could give is going to the gym, right? It's going to be a lot, very hard for someone to show up consistently if they've never built that habit before. And so the advice that I've given, given to a lot of friends of mine that are interested in weightlifting or interested in building a physique is just showing up to the gym for 10 minutes and not trying to do anything. But once you're already in that environment, you're more likely to succeed, right? If you show up to the gym and you say, oh, I need to complete this entire workout, right? You're never going to be able to <laughs> I saw that in the court. But yeah, if you show up in the gym and you say to yourself, hey, I need to you know, complete this entire workout, you're never going to be able to commit to it because some days you don't feel like you want to do it, right? But if you go up in the gym and say like, hey, I'm just going to walk on the treadmill for 30 seconds and you know, if you don't have it in that day, like, you know, you could go back home, right? It's not a big deal. But if you know you could do a little bit more, that level of friction between you accomplishing the task is a lot less because the environment that you set for yourself um, puts you in a position where you could promote that, you know, di- uh, building of discipline. So I also think a bit of a different perspective because I'm, I'm totally a fan of discipline. Like I'm all for discipline. You need discipline. 
Um, but there's something with discipline where it almost implies that whatever you're doing is like not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a good perspective to try to build is you want to be working on things that are positive for you to be working on and are yeah. aligned towards your goals, but you really enjoy. Like they're just things you would do naturally. And I think if you can almost build that mindset for like even the gym, yeah. where it's like you actually just genuinely enjoy going to the gym, then you'll beat the person who needs to employ a ton of discipline to yeah. go to the gym every day, yeah, to enjoy every single journey. time, because yeah. you'll go every single day because it's just what you naturally do. Mm-hmm. So I think the more you can like cultivate that in your approach to whatever you're doing, even like schoolwork, if you like aren't studying something you're interested in, like, I don't know, consider switching to something that you actually just naturally are really interested in because then you'll wind up just studying because you're actually interested in it and you'll do better than if you try to push yourself through something that you just don't genuinely enjoy. So Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think at the same time, with no matter what goal you're trying to pursue, there's always going to be things that you dislike doing. So if you always chase things that you like to do, that's not going to get you too far because, you know, there's going to come a point where, like, for example, let's say you want to go into a career for like engineering or so. You're so obsessed with this career, right? But at the end of the day, there are going to be things that you do along those paths that you feel not comfortable doing or that, you know, make you want to switch paths almost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like, that's why I started off. Like I'm definitely all for discipline. I think like even like just trying to build that into things that you don't like doing, like you're just saying, like, say you're like nervous for this podcast or nervous for like speaking in front of people. It's like, you don't. I guess, enjoy those things. But yeah. if you can be like, yeah. nah, I'm pumped. This is a great learning experience. Yeah. Like, this is what I want to be doing. Then I think it just makes it uh, easier to approach. Yeah, I think it's also kind of like convincing yourself that whatever it is that you're doing that you don't like is something that you do genuinely like. Like eating vegetables, right? When you first start off, you're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but then like you kind of convince yourself and then you, you, you make yourself believe that you actually enjoy what you're doing. Like going to the gym, if you don't, enjoy it at first you're like oh this is like time consuming it's draining it takes forever just kind of like tell yourself oh i'm gonna get huge this is gonna be great for my personal health and then yeah then you now have like a a model a path to take of, of why you like it and then that's that's a, that's a tip that i uh follow and then it, it really helps with time management because now everything you're doing are things that you quote unquote like and your schedule will naturally align itself to make sure you can do all those things within your schedule yeah, yeah. um when it comes to these LinkedIn posts, uh, I'm sure that there's been people that have reached out to you and I'm sure you've like impacted a good amount of people. Is there like any stories in particular, just people that you've helped or, uh, um, yeah, yeah. So I did, I I've helped people in quite a bit of different ways. I think, you know, content creation was one avenue, just like getting people to read this, you know, one by one. I also hosted like one seminar in terms of like how to prep for case workshops, but I had a couple people over the summer reach out to me like, over text and just say like, Hey, I'm a student from this university. Like, how do I get into consulting? And a lot of them were students from like non-target backgrounds. Uh, one of them was, for example, like a bio student, or I think it was neuroscience specifically, but neuroscience. Going like, yeah, why are you going into business <laughs> consulting? <laughs> um, but I did have a couple of people, I think it was four people exact over the summer, reach out to me, ask for advice. And, you know, a lot of what I do uh, for students is just like resume reviews give them like a high level overview in terms of where their next two years should look like in terms of, you know, landing these consulting jobs um, and what are the best strategies to approach those, right? I think for consulting overall, like pursuing a career, there's three different things, right? Golden rule for three, good grades, uh, good extracurriculars, and then the interview preparation stuff. Everything else falls underneath um, those subcategories, right? And if you're able to break it down step by step of these are the three subsectors that you need to focus on, 
and then you could quantifiably identify what you need to improve on in each of those sections or, um, you know, what are the different things that you need to do? Like referrals, for example, is one of them. Then it's very easy to then see like the big picture idea, right? I think a lot of people get too caught up in the day to day of like, Hey, I need to land this internship. And it's not about thinking about how to get there. It's just about the end des- destination as we talked about yeah. earlier. So yeah. what is your end destination? Where do you want to see yourself in the couple next couple of years? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think content creation is one avenue that I want to go down. Um, I'm graduating a semester early, so I will have another like four months after to you know stay on campus, see if I could pump out some content, you know, work on podcasts or something along these lines. Um, but in the next five years, like I want to be in a position where I'm financially stable. I don't know what career that is going to be specifically because I don't even know if I will be staying consulting for the next five years. Uh, but I want to be in a position where I'm financially stable, potentially even financially free, you know, investing in real estate or something along those lines. Uh, and then maybe even getting my MBA or I was gonna say that. something along those. Yeah. So. Yeah, so what's your opinion? Also, you too, Aggie, because you uh you're thinking about graduate school or you're actually in graduate school taking some classes right yeah, now. So like, right. what do you think about, uh, I don't know, going for your master's, going for your, even like your PhD and all that? For me personally, I think that my specific end goal um, doesn't require a PhD. Uh, I think like if I, pers- I'm looking into a two-year thesis master's and that's like the extent to the research I want to pursue and not do like a full five, six-year PhD program. I think that'll be too much academia for me. Um, and then after I get my master's, you know, I want to start working for a, a company and then later down the line, I want to get an MBA as well. So that's, that's kind of like the mindset I'm looking into. Yeah. Yeah. I think an MBA is like, especially important for anyone in business. Like the main benefit of an MBA is just having that network and being able to pivot mm-hmm. in career, right? A lot of people go into consulting and then they, you know, pursue their MBA and then afterwards they could exit into like tech, venture capital, private equity, Um, any of those different things. And so like having that network of people at the MBA MBA program is especially beneficial for that. So like, honestly speaking, the courses there don't really matter. A lot of the things that you learned, you probably already learned in industry. Um, So you're really paying 100K, 200K in tuition just so you could have that network of people that can help you in the future. Yeah, no, I've heard that even from like Marcus um, Laney, who uh, used to be the president of ASB. He was in Solutions. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I had a conversation with him about um, just like master's programs and all that. And he pretty much had said the same thing where it's like, mm-hmm. even in a technical program, like he was in, it was more about the networking and yeah. just uh, the people you're, you're uh, meeting and the relationships you're building versus like yeah. actual courses or whatever you're learning. Yeah. And I've met a lot of people who've actually done like return on investment calculations on like their master's program. And it's actually really interesting to see like one of the people that I was talking to in consulting he was choosing between uh, Northwestern Kellogg and Harvard Business School. And he actually chose Northwestern because in the next 30, 40 years, he'd be making, I think it was like $50,000 more or something. It was like a very complicated like wow. ROI calculation. And I don't really know how he did it, but you know, seeing that is like, you have to like have some justification behind why you want to go to an MBA or a grad degree, right? It can't just be like, oh, I want to go to Harvard or I want to, you know, do a master's at uh, Purdue or something like that, right? There has to be some sort of like quantifiable information to justify it. With with regards to ROI, one thing that a lot of people overlook when they get their graduate degree is the salary that you will forego 
um, yeah. by pursuing an in-person master's for that year because you could be making money that year, but then that also counts towards your economic profit. And mm-hmm. if you don't take that into consideration, Harvard would be maybe five, six times more expensive than another school that yeah. may offer slightly lower benefits, but it'd be far cheaper and increase your ROI. So that's one thing that a lot of people overlook as well. Yeah. I haven't really done the calculations too much, but I have a friend who's at McKinsey right now and he was debating on whether or not he wanted to go to the MBA program. But at the end of the day, he thinks it's not necessarily the best idea just because like you mentioned, he's foregoing that one to two years of salary, which in itself is like probably 200, 250K. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Well, Kevin, uh, I would love to talk for like four more hours. I think we get really into the content creation (laughs) and everything. Um, But it was awesome hearing about some of your advice and uh, just having this quick conversation. Um, Really enjoyed hearing from you. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. And for our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed our talk with Kevin. Feel free to check out the timestamps for the various topics we covered today. It will be listed in the descriptions. And um, if you have any feedback, guest requests, comments, or any other inquiries, please contact us at asme.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can fill out the Google form in the link below. Uh, So any questions, any suggestions, anything like that, we would be highly appreciative to hear back from. And uh, always feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, So check out the descriptions below and we'll hope you join us on the next episode. Feel free to uh, reach out to uh, Kevin. Yeah, uh, definitely reach out to Kevin. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys.